You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Jive Turkey is a little over the line, my man. Last segment to go on this week's episode, and uh, we're going to uh, look at the Alberta Junior Hockey League in this segment. And my uh, guest has a brand new show on TSN 1260. It's called Inside the AJHL, and uh, he's been on the show before. Tyler Remchuk, welcome back to The Pipeline Show. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me back, Guy Flaming. Well, it's a privilege to get the chance to speak with you again, although... We don't talk enough, eh? Yeah, we don't talk enough, I guess. Uh, You're in the booth with us uh, during Oil King broadcasts as well, but uh, excited for the AJHL, excited for you that you got this new show on on the weekends. 9 o'clock, right, on TSN 1260s, and fans can uh, listen in online as well. I'm sure you're tweeting out every time you got stuff uh, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, tweeting out the podcast afterwards. If you want to listen live online, you can get the the iHeartRadio app and listen to us live at 9 a.m. If not, the podcast are uh, just as good. But, no, it, it's been fun. We're three episodes into this thing now, so episode four coming up this Saturday. And it's good to give uh, junior hockey more exposure, right? Yeah, it is, absolutely. No question about that. Uh, yourself, anybody else involved with the broadcast? Uh, yeah, Wyatt Zeger is my producer. He's behind the board. He chimes in once in a while as well. Uh, so it's myself and Wyatt Zeger. Quiet Wyatt, uh, they call Quiet him. Wyatt. Well, that's just uh, JMO, right? Dave Jameson at TSN? Or does it, yeah, is, I don't has call that caught on? Wyatt. It has a no, I, I call him Wyatt Zeger. I give him more respect. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, this season in the AJHL, it looks like, and we're what about three weeks in, I guess, into the regular season. Most teams have played four or five. Even some have played six games so far. And it seems like the more things change, the more they stay the same. You got Spruce Grove undefeated, Sherwood Park undefeated, Brooks undefeated. Uh, so it looks like we're, everybody's picking up right where they left off last year. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, but you mentioned Brooks and Spruce Grove up there. The teams that have given them some trouble are, are maybe a little bit surprising. Uh, they were only able to beat Drumheller three to one. They snuck by Camrose six to four as well. I believe there was an empty netter in that game. They needed overtime to beat Drumheller as well. And they beat the Calgary Canucks by a score of just four to two. When you look at last year, Brooks won their games by average of just over three goals a game. This year, like I just said, it's been two, 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 and an overtime win. So things are a little bit tighter in the South, I think. And I would say the same thing about the North as well. Um, I talked to Saints head coach Bram Steven on Inside the AJHL last week, and he said, like, obviously coaches say this, but I believe him when he says you can't take any game for granted in the North Division this year. Off the hop for the Saints, I mean, they went to overtime against Drayton Valley. They snuck by Drayton Valley by one goal. Since then, they've kind of found a bit of a groove and they crushed a couple of teams but early in the year again Drayton Valley almost beat them twice so things are definitely a lot tighter I think than they were last year specifically in the south the Crusaders too. Whitecourt gave them a decent push in the second period. Um, Lloyd gave them a good push in their home opener or in their season opener as well so while things have stayed the same and the regular teams are still winning at their regular rate it's definitely tighter this year than it was last year. Well, that's that's good, actually. I think that makes for a better league, more excitement, a little less predictability like that. I think fans enjoy that as well. Um, going back to Brooks for a second, they're defending champs. I seem to recall their team last year was loaded with uh, over like uh, older players, a lot of 19-year-olds on the team. How, how much turnover has there been from last year's roster for Brooks? A, a really good amount. They lost the league's leading scorer, William LeMay, um, they lost a handful of other guys, Ray Christie, Simon Gravel, Ryan Mashey, Arno Vachon. Like, actually, I think Mashey might still be there this year, but they, the bottom line is they lost a lot of high-end talent. Um, pretty much all of their top scores are gone, so they had to find ways to replace them, and they're getting some good contributions. Braden Krieger is a rookie, an 0-1 birthday, who's been 
a goal a game. Uh, Trey Thomas, a 1999 birthday, again, a goal a game. He has seven points so far to start the year. Carson Kuhlman is a D-man who has seven assists in four games. Um, he's a committed player as well. So they, they've had some interesting players step up. I mean, when it comes to the Brooks Bandits, you almost look at who they lose and go, you shrug and just go, well, Ryan Papawano and the group down there, they're going to find a way to bring in more high-end talent, and that's exactly what they've done this year. And a lot, again, from outside of Alberta. You look at this roster, there's a ton of players from Ontario, a few Americans sprinkled in there along the way as well. Is that becoming more of a trend in the AJHL, or is it specific to just a handful of teams? Um, it is becoming more popular. We saw the Crusaders this summer um, go out and bring in some guys from Manitoba. I talked to Ryan Papawano about that and the way I kind of phrased the question to him I was like do you feel like you maybe started a little bit of a trend here and he said no like it goes back a little bit further than that um, a team like Grand Prairie has gone to Quebec the last couple of years Ontario obviously is becoming a popular spot as well you've always had the digging into Saskatchewan mm-hmm. um, side of things as well but I, I, I think Ryan Papawano deserves a little bit more credit for this trend than he's willing to give himself not only have the bandits gone out so like you said, Ontario, a couple guys from the States, like Randy Hernandez from Florida. Um, but they had success with it, and I think that success that they had over a long period of time led to teams like the Crusaders going out to Florida and getting Brennan McDonald. Or, I, I mean, you find different ways. Tyler Jetty was their captain last year from Minnesota. Um, so I think Brooks has set a little bit of a, not a standard, they set a little bit of a trend here in the AJHL, and a lot more teams are starting to follow it. We've seen it in the past, especially in the BCHL, uh, with the Penticton Vs, they've yeah. been they've been mining the U.S. market for a long time, uh, so it uh, seems to be much more prevalent now in the AJHL than it was, say, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, anyway, Tyler Yaramchuk, my guest, he's the uh, host of Inside the AJHL on TSN 1260, Saturday mornings, 9 o'clock uh, Mountain Time, if you're tuning in from outside the time zone. All right, in the, uh, the Northern uh, Division, uh, we mentioned Spruce Grove and Sherwood Park. I know you're close to the Crusaders. How does that team look? This year compared to last year, I know there are some key guys going into their NHL draft season uh, that you're going to mention, but overall, is this a uh, uh, a much deeper, better team than last year, or is it kind of a continuation from the club we saw do really well last year? I think it's largely a continuation, actually. like They lost a few guys like Zach Kaiser, who was a deadline pickup, but apart from that, the core is more or less the exact same, and then Kyle Chase went out and added to it. Over the last week, he's brought in Davis Murray, who you're familiar with, from his time with the Edmonton Oil Kings. He went out and added Blake Sidlowski, who was with the Red Deer Rebels last year, so bringing in some WHL talent. I don't think he's done either. Um, but that forward group, key, it's so deep. And the top line, I think, is probably the best line in the AJHL. Arjun Atwal, who just won Offensive Player of the Week, William Zapernick and Carter Savoy. Up front, they're incredibly deep. I think Chase will try to go out and add one more impact defenseman, um, definitely before the trade deadline, but he might try to jump on that a little bit quicker, but the blue line looks pretty good, and they're led by the draft-eligible Michael Benning, who is on most nights the best player on the ice. He certainly was in their win over Fort McMurray. Carter Savoy's the same way. Um, those two guys are just the absolute heartbeat of this team. Um, Arjun Atwal's the captain and their leader, but Carter Savoy and Michael Benning push the pace every single night. Um, they just they have so many impact players, and then Kyle Chase has done a great job surrounding them with key depth pieces that they're championship contenders. Um, it's hard to say if they're going to be better or worse than last year because last year, like they set a franchise record, they won the North Division. So the only spot they can really go up is when it comes to the playoffs, and that's going to be the big test for them. Can they get past Spruce Grove in the playoffs when it comes to that point? I honestly think that's what the North is going to come down to once again. But um, as far as just the Crusaders specifically, 
They are looking very, very good. All right, well, let's uh, focus on Benning and uh, Savoy for a second. Neither one of them very big, 5'10", and and, uh, Benning listed at 175 and Savoy at 180, both draft eligible this year. If if you were picking, uh, which I mean, they play two different positions too, so it's kind of apples and oranges. But do you predict a, a higher impact at the next level for one of them? You mentioned the size. Um, Michael Benning, like you said, five foot nine. He's ranked seventy three right now by future considerations. Um, but you don't you don't need to be massive anymore in the NHL to make an impact. I mean, look at the other AJHL product that's making noise right now. It's Kale McCarr, and he's not exactly a giant either. Um, so. When I watch Michael Benning play, he is the definition of what you want in a modern defenseman. He moves the puck well. He controls the pace from the back end. Um, if you get a chance to go out and watch him play, just watch when he starts a breakout. He'll stand behind the net, and he'll wait. He'll be patient. If a guy comes in, if a forechecker is coming in hard, he just has this way where you almost blink, and the forechecker is gone. He's found a way to just get around them and open up the ice, and he doesn't always feel the need to let go of the big bomb stretch pass. He'll make a three-foot pass or five-foot pass in his own end, that just gets it to a forward who's in motion, and away they go. So I love Benning's ability to control the game from the back end. Um, Carter Savoy, again, he's not huge, again, listed at five foot nine, but he plays a big man's game. Like, he goes out there, he's not afraid to go into the corners. We saw him last year get suspended for a hit. I mean, he's a guy who plays on the edge, he gets fired up. Um, so the five foot nine thing, again, don't think will scare a lot of scouts once they come and watch him in person. He knows he's not but he's a little bit stockier, like he's built well. So he's able to use that to create offensive chances as well. He's good on his edges, which is a massive benefit in, in an NHL that's speed-driven. I think Carter Savoy's style of play and the way he likes to go about the ice, I think it translates really well to the next level. Um, both these guys right now projected to go in the second, third, fourth round, somewhere around there, I kind of think. Um, what I'm going to say is I think they both go in the second round or earlier. I think Benning has the potential to be a first-round pick by the end of the season. He's that good, and Savoy's not far behind him. Awesome. And both uh, slated to join the Denver Pioneers uh, this time next year, correct? Yeah, they are, and uh, so will actually Michael Benning's defensive partner this year as well. Reed Irwin, is, uh, he's a really good, calm defenseman. I think he's absolutely perfect to put next to a guy like Michael Benning, and I think uh, Denver's going to benefit a lot from those two joining their program. The other uh, notable player, or at least one of the other notables on uh, the Crusaders' uh, roster is Carter Guylander, drafted by the Detroit Red Wings this past June. He's off to a 3-0 start. Eh, that might be the only stat that right now looks nice and uh, shiny for him, though, as he's sporting a 375 goals against average, 872 save percentage. Uh, but I think you might have to take those numbers with a, a bit of a grain of salt, uh, because of uh, his sort of lack of training camp and lack of uh, preseason. Can you explain what happened for him uh, for the uh, the listeners? Well, he went to Russia with Team AJHL, but he didn't play in a single game. He didn't get any game action at all when he was in Russia, which I thought was a little bizarre. If you're going to bring a guy over there, I know it's a tournament, but you want to bring three goalies, find a way to get him on the ice, and they didn't. So it's unfortunate for Carter because, like you said, he didn't have a training camp, so he shows up late to Sherwood Park and he's kind of behind the eight ball. And then Jordan Fry is starting to play really good, the uh, 2,000-born goalie that they got over from LaRange over the summer. So it was kind of just like a snowballing of bad circumstances. Carter Guylander hasn't looked bad, but he hasn't looked like the Carter Guylander we saw for 22 games last year. He's an absolute giant as well. He's listed at six foot five. That's probably a big reason why the Detroit Red Wings liked him. I'm kind of surprised he he had to wait until the seventh round to hear his name called. Um, I, I have a lot of confidence that Carter Guylander is going to 
bounce back simply because we've seen him do it at the AJHL level. It's just going to take a while. Um, it might take him till the end of the month. It might take him until halfway through October. But I'm really confident, despite his struggles early, that Carter Gallander is going to find a way to be one of the best three goalies in the AJHL by the time the year's done. Arjunat, while you mentioned uh, leading the league in scoring right now with 13 points in just five games, uh, going across uh, Edmonton to Sherwood Park or to Spruce Grove, rather. And the Saints, a perennial powerhouse in the AJHL and uh, right now being led by a former WHL and Ryan Peckford, who played, what, the second half of the season last year, basically, for the Saints uh, and back for more this year. That Again, we shouldn't be surprised at all. This is going to be another uh, strong season for the Saints. Yeah, they're going to be really good. They had a ton of turnover on their blue line, though. They lost TJ Lloyd, uh, who was their captain. They lost a handful of other players in there as well. Um, but they find a way to get it done. They picked up a D-man from Prince Albert and brought him in, and they have Matt Davis between the pipes, who I think is the best goalie in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So they're going to be good. It doesn't. It, they're almost the same as the Brooks Bandits. It doesn't matter how many players they lose. They're going to find a way to get guys in that are just as good or that can fill those holes, and they've done exactly that. Uh, Ryan Peckford's off to a great start. He had 22 points in 16 games to end the year last year. Now he's 11 in his first six games this season. Um, he was actually a guy, before we saw the Ethan McIndoe trade with the Oil Kings this year, I was kind of thinking the Oil Kings might have made a push to try to get his rights and try to get him back into the WHL because, I mean, he was a good producer at the uh, WHL level as well, but that's probably not going to happen now. Um, it looks like he's going to spend the whole year in the AJHL, and he's going to be in the conversation for leading scorer in the league. He's up there right now sitting third, just two points back of Atwell. But um, the other thing I like when I talk to Bram Steven. The team's three leading goal scorers, Ryan Peckford, Cam Mitchell, and um, the third name is slipping my mind now, but they all play on different lines. So they have three of their leading scorers all spread out throughout the lineup. They're really just rolling four lines almost right now, and I think it's helping everyone in that lineup get, up, get off to a really good start. So, yeah, the Saints are going to be good as always. I'm not exactly uh, giving you too hot of a take right there. <laughs> all right, so if we've talked about Spruce Grove and Sherrod Park and Brooks as, as uh, right now at least the top three teams uh, in the league, who's going to give those teams a, a run for it this year? I mean, they're, they're always uh, individual teams or, you know, the Bonneville Pontiacs will be really strong one year. We've seen White Court be really strong one year. They don't seem to have the, the perennial success, uh, of, uh, of those three other clubs. Uh, Camaro's another one that can be hit and miss depending on the year. Anybody going to challenge those three teams this season? They will. Um, Bonneville's obviously always the team that's kind of third right behind Sherwood Park, right up there with Sherwood Park and Spruce Grove. Um, they're off to a pretty solid start as well. They're 3-1-1. One, and one. Their next game's against Camrose at the Showcase. Uh, they look good as well. Rick Swan always knows what he's doing out in Bonneville. So I, they're going to push, and they're going to be right in the conversation for one of those top two spots up until the end of the year. But the team that I may be a little bit surprised by to start the year is actually in Grand Prairie. They found a way to start their year Four and two. They're going up against Canmore next. They got a couple of goalies who I think are, are going to have good years. Caden Lane is one of them, but both their goalies right now have goals against averages under two. They've done it so far with goaltending, and here's the thing. If you have good goaltending, you know this key, you can be carried a long way at any level of hockey. So if they can keep the goaltending up, Grand Prairie is kind of my surprise pick to really be up there this year in the North. Any other sidebar stories you're kind of looking for this year to see uh, you got a bit of a, a question mark, what's going to happen in, in some way? Yeah, Fort McMurray is a team where they moved out a couple of pieces. They're off to a slow start this year. Um, last year when the Crusaders played them in the playoffs, it was a really, really, there was a lot of bad blood is what I'm trying to say. 260 combined penalty minutes in that series. 
They hated each other. And then over the summer, Jared White, who was one of their better players, ends up going to Sherwood Park in a trade. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird that Fort McMurray gave him up, but it was a future consideration thing, all that. Um, and this year, like, like I said, they've unloaded a few pieces. I watched them play in Sherwood Park last weekend, and it was just kind of like, man, they look not disinterested. That's too harsh of a term, but there was no hate in the game. Fort McMurray didn't really look incredibly motivated. It, if I had to really knock one team for their start, it's Fort McMurray, and I want to say they'll turn it around, but you just never know. It might be one of those years where the oil barons take a bit of a step back. Well, Tyler, I appreciate uh, you keeping us up to date on everything happening around the uh, the AJHL. And, uh, of course, the fans can uh, tune into your show inside the AJHL, 9 a.m. every Saturday on TSN 1260. I hope you don't mind if we call you, uh, if I call you throughout the season, though. Absolutely, Guy. Always love coming on. Tyler Ramchuk from TSN 1260. His show is inside the AJHL, 9 o'clock on Saturdays. That does it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks to the four guests that you heard from. Next week on the uh, the Pipeline Show, it might be time to turn on the 2020 draft spotlight for the first time. Boy, that sounds funny to say, 2020. We're also going to uh, check in on what happened in Pittsburgh at the USHL Fall Classic. Of course, we'll uh, keep tabs on the uh, Canadian Hockey League. There was no dub segment this week, so there will be one next week for certain. And the NCAA gets going here right away as well. So uh, lots to talk about as everybody We'll be playing here very, very soon. Uh, quick thanks again to everybody who signed up to be a patron. Patreon.com slash the pipeline show is where you go. Two bucks a month gets you early access. Some other perk uh, tiers available there as well. But that seems to be the most popular one. That way you get access to all these interviews that you're hearing on the show probably two or three days uh, before everybody else does. Just my way of saying uh, thanks to those who have uh, signed up to uh, help out the show and make sure the show keeps going. I appreciate that. Uh, very very much all right between now and next week get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and i can talk about it next week on the pipeline show until then my name is Guy flaming see ya